Amen. As we take our seats, we're turning to God's precious word for our scripture reading, and we're turning to the Gospel of John and to the chapter 14. The Gospel of John and the chapter 14. You may recall before the break when I was on holiday, uh, we have been looking through the Gospel of John at the I Am sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great claims of Christ as to his person, as to his identity. And we're coming today to what is a very familiar chapter, a very well-known chapter in God's precious word, John chapter 14. We're going to commence our reading there at the verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. We land there at verse 14, and we trust the Lord will add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. We'd invite you to turn with me once again to the Gospel of John and to that 14th chapter. Uh, that we have been reading from. And of course, it is a chapter that is so familiar. And as we have been working our way through the I Ams of Christ in the Gospel of John, 
been drawing attention as well to some of these texts of Scripture that are on the windows. And we have there just near the front of the church on my right-hand side uh, the verse of Scripture that I'm drawing to your attention today. And that window is in memory of Mr. William Lilly. And the Lilly family would have had a long association with the work of God here in Hillsborough, and indeed the granddaughter and granddaughters of William Lilly uh, would still attend here in Hillsborough. And so my text is found in John 14 and the verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the way. Let's just unite our hearts together and seek the help of the Lord as we come to consider this verse of Scripture together. Our gracious and our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for the light of Scripture. We praise Thee for Thy precious Word. And even as we would come, O God, to consider this portion together, that it might come, O God, to each and every heart with freshness and with clarity. And Thou would speak, O God, to our souls today, encourage and strengthen Thy children. And if there be any unconverted souls, draw them, our Father, to the One who is the way, the truth, and the life. Hear our prayer and abide with us now. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, this is indeed a portion of Scripture and a verse of Scripture that I'm sure everyone here has heard hundreds of times. And it has come to us perhaps in times of great need, times especially of bereavement and of loss. This portion of Scripture has been a tremendous comfort to so many. The words can also come as a great challenge to hearts. But it's not just a word for a time of bereavement. It's not just a word for times of sorrow and loss. It's a word to God's people for all times. And you see, here's a portion of Scripture where the Lord is speaking to the heart and he says there at the very commencement of the chapter, let not your heart be troubled. It's only the Lord who can speak to the heart. It's only the Lord who can address the issues of the heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and the verse 7, the Bible teaches that the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. The all-seeing eye of God that is able to look into the deepest recesses of each one of our hearts. And the Lord who is able to speak to the heart and the Lord who knows the need of the heart is able to meet the heart at the very point of its need. And here in this chapter, the Lord is speaking to the troubled heart. And he says, let not your heart 
be troubled. Now they were troubled. They were fearful. The Lord was speaking to his disciples, and their hearts at this particular moment were troubled. And we know what that word troubled means. It is to do with that inward commotion that we have all experienced at different times in our lives. Whenever the calmness is taken away, whenever the peace is disturbed, and our hearts become troubled. During the past couple of weeks, whenever I was off and we visited the coast, whether it was the coast in Scotland or up around the north coast here. And at times there were days when it was windy. And when you looked out to sea, you could see that the waves were uh, actually crashing in and the sea was rough. And we would describe such a sea as a troubled sea. That's the word here. What a picture that sea is of the heart at times. Those waves that come crashing in, those billows that lower the swelling off the tide. And at times we have to say, like the disciples, our hearts are troubled. Well, here the Lord is speaking to the troubled heart. And just if there would be a heart today, perhaps in the congregation and unseen by those around you, but that heart is troubled. Or maybe one who would join us online at home and you would say, yes, that's me. My heart is troubled today. Here's a word for you. The Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. And what is the message from the Lord to the troubled heart? It's a message of heaven. And the Lord begins to speak to them about heaven. He has been referring to the fact that he's going away from them. That's what troubled their heart to begin with. If you were to glance back to the previous chapter, and you look there in chapter 13 and the verse 33, and the Lord said to them, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you. And so the Lord was speaking to them about going away. And that thought greatly disturbed his disciples. That, that thought troubled their heart. In fact, it caused Peter in chapter 13 and the verse 36 to ask the question. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? The Lord was speaking about going away and going to a particular place. And Peter says, Lord, where is it that you're going? Whither goest thou? Speak about leaving. You speak about going away. Where is it that you're going to? And when the Lord realizes how troubled his disciples are, that's what brings those beautiful words in John 14, when the Lord, addressing their heart's need, said to them, let not your heart be troubled. And he begins to lift their thoughts heavenward. The blessed hope of heaven. There's no greater message to the troubled heart. There's no greater message to reassure that troubled soul. 
And as the Lord speaks to them about heaven, he said there with those words that we're so familiar with, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas is listening. He's fixed on the Savior. The one who's speaking about going away and going to this place, and he's saying, whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas can't contain himself any longer, and it's as if he here almost interrupts the Lord. And he says with the words of verse 5, he says, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. And how can we know the way? It's a complete contradiction to what the Savior said. The Savior said, whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know. Where is it that you're going? And how can we know the way? And what a question it was, and what an answer we have in the words of our text. The subject here of this great I am saying in verse 6, it's really speaking to us about heaven and how to get there. Could there be any more important news to hear than to hear about heaven and how to get there? And those words that you have become so familiar with that could just roll off the tongue, I want you to pause today and I want you to consider them perhaps in a way that you have never seriously considered them before. That we might learn about heaven and how to get there. It's therefore one of the greatest statements that the Lord ever made about himself and about heaven. One of the greatest statements. And we learn some simple truths from this verse of Scripture. Firstly, we learn how to be saved. How to be saved. And the Lord said very clearly, I am the way. How to be saved, we have the answer given to us here from the very lips of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And while we say it contains a very simple message, yet it's a very important message. It's about the way to heaven. And yet it's simple and sublime together. Because in these words of verse 6, that there is a depth to these words that we couldn't fully plumb the depths of. I read what J.C. Ryle had to say concerning this verse. And he said, The fullness of these precious words can probably never be taken in by man. He that attempts to unfold them does little more than scratch the surface. And so to try and unfold these words, we can do as J.C. Ryle says, little more than scratch the surface. 
And I confess that's all I can do, the Lord helping me this morning. But oh, that the words would come uh, with a freshness and with power to our hearts, teaching us that the way to heaven is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The way to heaven is found through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his person and it's his work. The Savior becomes our mediator. He's the one who comes in between. And he's the one who, as we've said on a previous occasion, he's the one who's able to put his hand upon God because he is God. And he's able to put his hand upon man because he became man. And he's able to bridge that gap between God and man. And he's able to reconcile us unto God. He's the way. Paul said to Timothy, there's one God. And there's one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ can say, I am the way. That was the great plan for salvation. The way that was planned was that God the Son would come into this world and he would take upon him human flesh and there would be those two divine natures in the one person. There would be his deity and there would be his humanity. It was perfect deity. It was perfect humanity. And they came together in the one person. And the Lord Jesus Christ lived out that perfect and that righteous life that we could not live. And he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And in his substitutionary and sacrificial death upon the cross of Calvary, he accomplished that great work of atonement. And through his death and sacrifice and the shedding of his precious blood, listen, he opened up the way. If he had never come into this world, if he had never suffered and bled and died, there would be no way. Jesus Christ can say, I am the way. Because in fulfilling that great plan for man's salvation, he came into this world and he went to Calvary. And praise God, there he had the victory over sin and over death and over hell. And on the third day, he rose triumphantly from the grave according to the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven. He lives in the power of an endless life. And that way to heaven has been opened up through the person and work of our Lord and Savior and salvation. That way to heaven is found in Jesus Christ. And he can say in answer to Thomas, in answer to the other disciples, in answer to us today, The Lord can say, I am the way. But here's a very important point. He said, I am the way. And that means the Savior was telling us that he is the only way. He was not saying he was one of a number of different ways to heaven. He's saying, I am the way. I am the one and only way to heaven. 
And by this statement of the Lord Jesus Christ, a most powerful statement about himself and about heaven, he sweeps away all other religions. And he sweeps away all other ideas and all other opinions and all other thoughts of men and all other ways that men may try to devise. He sweeps them all away and he's saying, I am the one and the only way to heaven. Every other way is a false way. Every other way is a wrong way. Every other way is a deception and a delusion of the devil. Not popular to say that today. Days of political correctness, they would say, oh, such a message is intolerant. That's a very intolerant message. Society today wants to just lump all religions together. They want to put all different faiths together. And they want to say in these days of so-called equality that all religions are equal. And it doesn't really matter what you believe and it doesn't really matter about doctrine as long as you're sincere and sure all ways will lead to heaven in the end. Well, the Lord just sweeps all of that aside and he says, I am the way. I am the way. And so he's the only way. The verse he goes on to say, and mark it very carefully, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The exclusive and the only way to heaven is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Proverbs 14 and the verse 12, it says there about a way. And it says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, man can look at things very rationally and man can say, well, I have thought about these things and, well, I have my own ideas and my own beliefs and my own opinions. And I think the way that I have devised is, is the right way. I think it'll take me to heaven in the end. The Bible warns us there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But if it's not in accordance with Holy Scripture, the end thereof are the ways of death. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is showing us here how to be saved. And he's saying, I am the way and I am the only way. The only mediator between God and men. It's not Mary and it's not the Pope and it's not Muhammad. It's Christ and it's Christ alone. Peter said in Acts 4 and 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And if the Bible is to be our only rule of faith and practice, if the Bible is to be our final authority on all matters, and if we believe the Bible and we believe John chapter 14 and the verse 6, then we're saying that what we preach and what we believe is that salvation is found in Christ and in Christ alone, and there's no other way. 
how to be saved, how to get to heaven. It's by trusting in Jesus Christ alone. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Resting upon his finished work at Calvary as being sufficient that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is able to cleanse us from all sin and it's able to fit us for heaven. How to be saved? I am the way. But secondly, it teaches us how to be sure. And the Lord says, I am the truth. How to be saved and how to be sure that you're saved. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is the embodiment of all truth. And he's able to say, I am the truth. Oh, he wasn't coming to to point us to the truth or to point us to the way. He said, I am the way and I am the truth. And all truth finds its, its source in Christ. He's the fountain of truth. You think of the scriptures and the scriptures that always bring us to the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the truth. In Luke 24, when you read of the Emmaus Road and the Savior drawing alongside those disciples, it tells us in Luke 24 that beginning at Moses, that's the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And the scriptures are bringing us to the Savior, because the Word of God is truth. And Christ is the fountain of truth, and He's the fulfillment of truth. Because all of the truth and the prophecies and promises and the pictures that are in God's Word, they all find their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, He alone can say, I am the truth. He is the living truth. He is the eternal living word. We know there in John chapter 8, whenever the the Savior was speaking there in verse 32, he said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And in verse 36 of that chapter, he said, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You see, the truth and the Son, it's one and the same. The Lord Jesus Christ is the truth. We're reading in John's gospel, but John also penned the book of the Revelation. And whenever he made reference there to the Lord Jesus, he referred to him as the one who was true. True. Revelation 3 and the verse 14 He says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the true witness. Also in Revelation, the chapter 19, and in that chapter, the verse 11, John writes, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is truth, teaches us who Christ is. He he is the truth. 
and it teaches us what Christ is and what he says is the truth. Therefore, you can come to focus upon that truth. And the Lord saying there to the troubled heart of his disciples, I am the truth. And when I tell you the way to heaven, you can be sure that it's truth. And therefore, you can be sure. You see, it's interesting in John 14 there in the verse 2, where the Lord begins to speak about the Father's house about heaven, about the many mansions. And then he makes a strange statement. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. See, if it wasn't so, if it wasn't true, if all that you have heard about heaven and about eternity, if it wasn't true, the Savior says, then I would have told you because I only tell you the truth. But I can tell you about heaven because it's a real place. Real place that I have gone to prepare for you. And one day I can receive you to that place. The Lord was speaking there the truth. And therefore, when the Savior says, I am the way, it's because he can say, I am the truth. That we can be sure that when we follow the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be sure that will take us to heaven. Take the Lord at his word here. The one who is the way to heaven, accept him and believe on him as your Lord and Savior. And the one who is the truth will take that assurance from him. In other words, be saved and be sure that you're saved. When you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 14, verse 6, how to be saved, I am the way. How to be sure, I am the truth. Thirdly, how to be satisfied, I am the life. I am the life. And as he is the fountain of truth, so he is the fountain of life. We could say he is the true and the living way. That's true of the Lord. But when we think of that life that the Lord alone is able to give, it's the life that he speaks about as being abundant life. He said in John 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. An abundant life in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some and they go through life with no purpose, no purpose it seems at all. They, they just aimlessly drift through life. They just go from one thing to another. They don't seem to have that which is even worth living for. There, there's no substance. There's no meaning to their life. It, it's just empty and it's vain. They don't really have life. And there's others who have the wrong purpose in life. The purpose of their life may be to seek after the things of this world and to look after the, uh, the pleasures of this world and to desire the possessions of this world and to gain popularity and to gain perhaps power. But they haven't got that true purpose in life. Then there are those who have the right purpose. 
as the Lord put it, seek first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added on to you. You see, the Lord shows us that while the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am the life, the Lord says. A life that is spiritual, a life that is eternal, a life that is abundant. And we say there's satisfaction and there's contentment. The Apostle Paul is a wonderful example. He could say to the Philippians, for, for to me to live is Christ. Christ was the center. Christ was the circumference of his life. For me to live is Christ. That's true life. The Lord Jesus Christ alone is the giver of that life. Therefore, he's the one who can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. A little chorus that is taught to the boys and girls, and their sisters were playing it just before the service commenced. And it says, without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without the life, there is no showing. Oh, that today we would not only know this text and perhaps memorize this text, but we would know what it teaches, how to be saved, how to be sure, and how to be satisfied. Let's bow together in prayer. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do praise Thee today for Thy precious Word. And even as the Savior prayed in His great high priestly prayer, He could say, Thy Word is truth. And we ask, O God, that the very truth of Scripture would find a resting place in each and in every heart, and that we would look afresh by faith to the Son of God this day. Abide with us, our Father, as we tarry around thy table. Grant us thy presence, and even to those that will take their leave from us, do abide with them, and keep us each one ever looking to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We ask these things in his great name. Amen.